have to look that up. Season 1, Episode 7. More on the old, the new, and the free. this episode I'd continue some of the discussions about the old, the new, and the free, mainly on the old. I know that last episode I had a bit of a diversion in talking about some of the background and some of the ways that I think about the community, what's important about gaming. Um, At the start I just want to say I got a lot of great calls from Jason, Nerds RPG Variety Cast, and it's a little bit hard, as everyone knows, in the anchor cast in one-minute chunks, but I will summarize some of his key points as we get to them, and what I'd like to do, we'll have to match up our schedules uh, in the future, uh, is see if I can get an episode with both of us chatting on the conversation, as he had a lot of really great points, and again, it was in kind of a couple buckets, definitely some thoughts on, you know, the community, some some FKR thoughts, some some thoughts on how that applies to some other games, Tunnels and Trolls, and also Burning Wheel. Not as familiar with Burning Wheel, but I am with Tunnels and Trolls. Uh, definitely some thoughts on Cricket, and then again about the diversity and inclusivity discussion that I had last week. And what, one of the things he brought out, and I don't know that I really stress this. I'm not even sure if I mentioned I might have glossed over. Um, And kind of mentioning some of the older editions and books, definitely, again, the Oriental Adventures book and some of the others that, again, at the time, uh, not necessarily, at least by the community, viewed the way that they are now, and definitely not by our standards. And one of the things Jason pointed out is that, although it's, yeah, it's appropriate to, to look at them today, uh, even even earlier, obviously, some people may have looked at them and been offended or <laughs> thought that they were just not appropriate. Looking at them today, it is correct for us to say, "Hey, this is not something," or "This th- this is this book or this game or this supplement has things that we do not find appropriate for our game." Should dealt with it in a better way, but. By doing some of the blanket language I know that they had and people were up in arms about the the warnings, it is true that a lot of the designers back then, it's assuming a lot to say that they intentionally set out to develop the books in the way that they did and maybe that they were, you know, doing, doing things the best way they had. And uh, I think I had mentioned, it is true that obviously, you know, putting these books together, whether it was in the 80s or even before, just the amount of research you can do sitting from your... I'd say from your desktop computer, but that's not even necessarily as as good of a comparison as from your your iPad, tablet, your mobile phone. So you don't necessarily have to go to the, dare I say, library if you're making a game. And he he's right. In in looking back at them, a lot of these are products of their time. You know, they're they're not the best, and maybe it's important or more important, I should say, to have the discussion on, you know, where can we go from here? Um, Jason also pointed out some good things is, yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's the perspective of your culture. So obviously 
we have a certain perspective uh, depending on, and, and when I say we, I guess it's it really almost more of an individual. I mean, obviously I live in the United States as, as, as many of the anchor folks do. So there is, you know, there are aspects of U.S. culture. I mean, if you want to go higher and say Western culture, but it is important to kind of take a look at that perspective. And when we're, you know, bringing that to the gaming table, even though, again, we're inventing worlds, if we're using things that are inspired, you know, we can do a better job. Uh, back then, um, you know, it, it is hard for me to, you know, surmise that, you know, the game designers, whether they're doing the best that they could, you know, not necessarily understanding everything. And if if nothing else, it's a call to say, hey, it would have been great if back then there was a more inclusive process to have folks involved on the design team or, or you know, writing games that could have helped to improve the end product. And, you know, one of the things that, that I mentioned, and I know even when I referenced the Asians Represent podcast uh, that Daniel and the host mentioned is that, you know, above everything else, you know, a lot of these things that we're looking at in the past that we, there are significant problems with, it's important to, to have the discussion, you know, why it's a problem and going forward, do things differently, but no one, and they are definitely not calling for, you know, banning these outright. And, and Jason makes the same point that a lot of these things, it is important to at least have, you know, from a historical context. And, and I think that's valuable. And you find that, I mean, obviously in literature, but, you know, in, in other pursuits or studies, it's important, especially when you're learning about something and looking back, not to look back on something, you know, I wouldn't say don't be critical, but but do take in mind, okay, where it emanated from, and then use that as a starting point to say, okay, what was also the cultural context? Not to excuse it, but to, to actually take a look at what could be done differently, you know, what could be done better. And and that's the that's the main point. And I think at least from you know, the anchorites in the community uh, of the folks that I follow and listen to, that seems to be a very consistent theme, you know, trying different things. And from a bigger picture, as we said before, you know, whether these are, you know, made up worlds or made up worlds inspired by things, I, I think one of the things that there is definitely an interest in, I have an interest in it. I don't, I don't know that my interest is as strong as others, uh, but I, I definitely, um, having kind of grown up in the uh, you know, in, in the 80s when there was definitely, you know, the explosion of kind of the, you know, ninjas and, you know, tales about samurai and an interest in different aspects of Asian cultures. You know, obviously, you know, it is, you know, Asia is a big place. It is a, you know, the largest continent. There are so many different countries, cultures within countries and history and I, I did know that, you know, growing up, not just in gaming, but just it was it was just a part of the world that I was not as familiar with, you know, that was either mostly viewed through media at the time, which, of course, wasn't necessarily the best. Um, when I did go to university, I was fortunate enough, I was privileged enough to be at a place that had students from all over the place. So a very diverse student base, whether they were, you know, Asian Americans, whether they were actual students, men and women coming from different Asian countries. Um, and it was, it was good for me because one, you know, you get a great exposure to just all kinds of cultural aspects. Uh, one of the most important are the uh, culinary aspects, <laughs> so uh, which 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 are fantastic, uh, but also a little insight into just um, cultural perspectives, history, 
uh, and and other aspects. And then later on, when I had the chance to you know to travel uh, to Japan, Korea, uh, and then on to Hong Kong, you know Thailand, just lots of different places, and and understand or try to understand just what goes into you know the the culture, the history, the perspective, you know, and how it translates to gaming. And so that's one of the things that I think is great about the recent time is just the fact that the popularity of gaming is is you know it's it's hard to say whether it's as high as it's ever been it, it possibly is but with the connectivity you know the internet the the wealth of resources that are used to connect people it's easier than ever to game with people you know all over the globe and to be able to be inclusive and have those different perspectives. So that might be enough uh, babbling. There is one thing that I'll point out that I have been interested in and have not um, not gotten a hold of. I've only heard about it on some of the podcasts and read some reviews. But there have been a couple of good anthologies. And um, I think... One of the things that I'd be really interested in getting, I know that there are definitely some uh, some other source books that have been put out that might be better. You know, if you're looking to have kind of, uh, I'd say, maybe, you know, it, it see, it's, it's hard to say Asian, it's part of ventures, but just looking at different cultures and mythologies, you know, which already is in, uh, you know, games like Dungeons and Dragons to a heavy dose, is taking a look at what, aspects you can use but adapt and what I mean what I mean by that is taking a look at you know kind of better adventures that may better capture both the the feel or you know more appropriately some of the the aspects about the mythology that you just may not be exposed to so one of the references that I've heard of and read about that I'm interested in getting is the unbreakable collection so these are a collection of adventures that are heavily influenced with Asian cultural mythology, folklore, and it has a diverse cast of creators who've contributed. And so this is something that, again, thinking back to, you know, some of the worlds you want to play in, I think this would be a great supplement to pick up and, and see how it translates. And I think I looked on, it's, it's available uh, through drive through and there are places you can get uh, the hardcover version. I think they might be coming out with some additional, you know, supplements or, or volumes, but that is, uh, that's something that, that kind of thinking back to it. And again, as I said last week, I never actually really played uh, in the, if you will, Oriental Adventures campaigns or, or themed books. But again, thinking about the world and the mythology, it would be would be interesting to do so anyway uh but yeah as enough about that what i really wanted to get into is a topic that has been covered now for what it's probably been over over a decade and definitely within you know the last decade maybe maybe you know four or five years you know the old school podcasts if you will that have come up definitely a lot of the anchor podcasts in the last couple of years that i've listened to but just the idea of kind of old school gaming and in particular I wanted to start with the the old school primer from Matt Finch and this is something that has been around for a while I think gosh 2008 um, I'd have to look and check but it's something you can get available drive-through for free you can get available Lulu maybe some other places 
um, 2008. Sorry about that. I might have said 2003, but yeah, 2008. So uh, you know, but that's uh, you know just about 13 years. So in in particular. That short document is a great encapsulation about a particular style of play that many of us, you know, women and men of a certain age, uh, may have grown up doing and have been looking to emulate. And of course, when we talk about it being a specific reaction in some ways, the, the OSR as a reaction to fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons. I think we can go more broadly than that, and and it gets back to what we're talking about is is in terms of either a style of play or types of communities. It's something that that you can define around a lot of these characteristics or these Zen moments that Matt talked about. So I just wanted to kind of go through them and give a few thoughts, and and maybe help use this to set up for talking about games today, newer games, and then what what interests me. Uh, the first one that, that he points out is something that you hear a lot, and even in 5th edition and recent games, it's stressed that many games, or at least from this, you know, the mindset or the type of game that we're talking about old school, it's about rulings, not rules. And that's easy enough. I think that there's a spectrum of both players, but also kind of your uh, your player moods on... When you talk about rules light, rules heavy, and everything in between, that rules are there as kind of your your guide rails, or you know, almost your uh, your your guidelines, and in some ways, you know, your suggestions. So you know, the rules are there as 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 written in uh, you know in Dungeon Crawl Classics, which I've 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 mentioned. Um, the rules are there kind of for your use, you know, that as the as the DM or the judge. The rules are there to bend to you. I think that's uh, that's on the, the DCC book. Yeah, when you get to the judge's rules, you know, the big quote on the, the first page of that chapter is, the judge is always right. That's an old school mentality. Let the rules bend to you, not the other way around. So that and the idea of rulings, not rules, are with many game systems, and at least this is, this is you know, Brian's view in the uh, uh, fairly empty lecture hall here at the... Uh, small university in suburban Atlanta, where uh, I think all the students are in virtual classes. The rules should bend to, I'd say, primarily the the DM or judge, but but even the game group. And this is going to be a theme that kind of summing this all up, maybe the fifth, um, you know, attribute that I'll talk about. That I don't know how much this is really old school versus something that's a newer phenomenon, but I, I think is appropriate. And even thinking back to when I was middle school, university, there were still discussions about this. We didn't call it session zero, but the rules bend to the to the DM or the judge, and you focus on rulings, not rules for the, I guess, for the good of the game. But it's also something that the players and GM should have a say in. It, from the standpoint of the players should, should have an idea of what are, they're getting into. And that gets back to kind of the idea of old school gaming that if you're not familiar with it, you do need to understand a little bit about what goes into the game and what, what kind of defines that style of play. And usually what people talk about when they talk about this, and that that's these same characteristics come up in my mind is it's a grittier, tough style of play where they're, you know, the death 
count could be high. You could have total party kills, <laughs> not as an uncommon thing. Um, many old style games were, were adversarial in terms of DM or GM and players, and I had a, a few of them. I don't necessarily agree with that, but definitely the elements of the older adventures were either, whether you want to call them more dangerous or the, the feeling that DCC tries to capture is that it's a dangerous world. So you're playing in a game where everybody should understand that it is a dangerous world, that, you know, monsters are unknown uh, and, you know, any encounter can lead to serious injury and death. And it's part of the game, but it's almost important that you have that meta aspect discussed, if you will, or at least understood, if if folks are not familiar at all. But on top of that all, the rulings, not rules, then let the, the DM handle the game in the best way for the outcome of, of everybody, meaning, you know, the story, the situation, the players, what could bring the most enjoyment. And it's something that... Uh, and I think this is the, the quote from Dungeon World, which I haven't played, but, you know, play to find out what happens. It's it's a big aspect of why we play. I mean, you know, we tell a story, but but the fact is it's not necessarily a story that has a foregone conclusion. You know, something funny, fantastical, tremendous could happen. Part of that's the die roll, but part of that's then also between the players and the DM figuring out, hmm, the situation would be great if this could be achieved, or even if it's difficult, if it would be achieved it would result in a great outcome. So anyway, totally agree with that one. Uh, the second Zen moment that's talked about, it's about player skill and not character abilities. And in some ways, uh, I, I think this is where I may start to differ a little bit, not, not in how old school games are characterized, because I, I totally understand that the idea of this is that you're not necessarily just going on the character abilities, but there is some player skill involved. And I guess there's a couple of different aspects. The, the first thing, and again, this may be a little bit meta, but I would definitely say is there is a bit of a skill definitely for the idea of the, you know, dungeon crawler, old school dungeon crawling. You know, why, why would you have a 10-foot pole? You know, how do we check for traps? Who's the best for checking for traps? And, you know, what should we be looking for? Those are some of the aspects that, if you will, you kind of, you can learn through playing in the game and reading and inspired from different stories. And so you bring that to the table as, as the player. So as yourself, not necessarily your character. Your character, uh, you know, may not be the thief, but you have a knowledge that, hey, is this party these are the things we should look for and maybe the thief is best when you're actually trying to, you know, detect, disarm the trap. And this is something that I think in looking at it that way or in, and you know, the skill of both for, you know, how to, how to crawl a dungeon, you know, how to look out for things, how to arrange your party, the tactical aspects, but also the, the, the larger aspects. One of the things that I like about uh, DCC games and some of the recent DCC games, especially that my son and I got to play a few weeks ago, it's not exclusive to DCC, but the 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 mentality and the environment and and some of these old school you know zen moments help to inspire judges to to push on the players a little bit to spend time thinking about and describing what they're doing so that it's not essentially if you want to think about this as a dungeon crawl of going room to room and when you get in there 
the players are going to have, you know, three, <laughs> a list of three things that they're going to start rolling on, roll on perception, roll on arcata check, and you know, roll on this, without really, you know, almost more of a mechanical way of doing it. And, you know, when it almost translates into like a video game, like I've got a list of things and when I go in the room or I go to clear the room, I, you know, I, I go in this order, you know, as a, as a more of a mechanical, mechanical method of doing it. And one of the things I like is, you know, the judge in this case had, had you know, kind of pushed my son and, and which is great is to have him think about, hey, you know, when you're looking, you know, when you want to roll for something, like if I want to roll on this skill check, just start by describing what you want to do. You know, and and it didn't take much. And in some ways, both the, as the player and as your your character, you know, it's fairly straightforward. Or or I, I, maybe I guess to me, so that may not be fair. But I think as you practice enough, you get to a point that you say, okay, you know, the the skill involved is thinking about like you know putting yourself in the role and some of the different aspects of the world that you're learning. Maybe as you go along you know, describe what you're doing and use that to base it on. And then the abilities obviously help guide you. You know, there's a, there's a few things in here, which I think, and again, depending on the game, if you're, if you're kind of talking about that, that dungeon crawl or the tactics, you know, that's something like any other game, whether it's a role-playing game or a, or a board game, you, you get better at with skill or, you know, get better at understanding it. The more, the more dungeons, the more tombs of horrors you, you crawl through, you start to look for different things in the descriptions or you start to think about different ways. There are a lot of things in games that are, are that may may not be difficult to role play, but may be difficult to translate into how to play when you're facing that situation. And this comes up and talk to people about, you know, investigations, puzzles, the debate over, you know, when you get a, a puzzle in a in in a game um, how, how much does that fit the setting? Is this something that you need to figure out as a player? You know, are you going to have to solve some word problems or math problems as a player? Uh, or your character, you know, your character may have a high intelligence and you would expect they'd be able to do certain things. Or, or reverse, your character may not have a high intelligence, but you, you know, you may understand the puzzle. So obviously those are specifics. And I know for investigations, um, a game that I have not gotten into yet, but now I'm, I'm very inspired to from mostly uh, some of the uh, podcasts I've been listening to, uh, Cthulhu, are, you know, how do you do an investigation? Because I love investigative games. And I used to love those old, uh, you know, host a, host a murder mystery, which to me were really a, a great, somewhat scripted, but then somewhat role play uh evening of of trying to either figure out the murder or try to get away with it but you know a lot of that is you get into personally as as the player of you know doing the deduction and not everybody either can do that or not everybody is as accustomed to doing that and so it's trying to figure out you know if you have a party are you going to be successful as the investigators are or are your character skills going to get help you so that you can get to maybe have clues revealed a little bit easier just to keep the story moving but i I think that's a digression so in terms of the you know skill not character abilities uh, i i think that's a good a good core tenant uh, to have the other zen moment so the third one is heroic not super heroic and again, this gets to the, I think this gets more to the style of game. So if you're thinking the old school D&D and, and some of the later versions, definitely in DCC clone, is that you're you're playing, you may be playing a wizard, magic user, you may be playing a, you know, a warrior, 
but you've started out, you know, maybe as a as a commoner, or you've you've started out, and, and your object is to gain experience, you know, gain gain levels to become, you know, better and more powerful. But you're not necessarily a, a superhero. And again, it gets back to the dangerous nature of some games. And obviously, there are games where where you don't have this because the idea is to play as a superhero or as a god. And I I think the the difference is really again in talking about the players and the DM is what what type of game genre world do you want? Obviously, if you're playing a superhero game, it, it, you can play it in a format that's old school. You know, you can play the the street level. Whether you're a, if you're a Marvel, you know, you can play kind of a Daredevil style, you know, ur- urban adventure where you have powers, but you're not necessarily the most powerful, and and you're not necessarily coming up always against maybe the uh you know the 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 criminal or the villain that's the most powerful but still dangerous enough you know or 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 batman you know it's so uh, that's one example that i think it depends again on how you want to play or you might want to play the adventure where you're thor or you are super powered and i guess it's understanding that so you know one of the things about uh about that those types of games are balancing so, you know, just to use, say, the Dungeons and Dragons as an example, you want enough so that, you know, your players are challenged, someone's not too powerful and overwhelming everything, um, so that the experience is fun. It's not necessarily too easy and, and gets to the point where it's just a, it's, it's just kind of a, a, you know, they breeze through every encounter. Um, you know, on the other hand, there may be times where you want them to have, you know, I don't want to say godlike abilities, but you want to see, you know, higher level or, or big powerful fights. And I think it's got to fit the genre and the mood. So this is something that that I, I understand this from an old school perspective. And again, I think just comes down to, you know, the type of game and, and the older school games were not necessarily like this. So the last Zen moment, um, <laughs> and I kind of alluded to this, is the balance. And I want to talk about it. So you know, forget game balance. And I, I think for me, you know, uh, un- understand this. And I think it kind of gets all the way back to both rulings and rules in that um, depending on, on on your group and how you want to play and, and my personal styles, yeah, it, 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 try not to worry too much about balance. And, and really use, you know, what the group is doing, the different things that they're coming across. Use that to kind of to kind of guide you. It's um, between the rulings, between, you know, what the players want to do and between, um, you know, what the, what the DM wants from the world and from the experience. Um, it, it, you know, it may not be that everything is, is linear. And you know, as I, I mentioned before about you don't necessarily want the characters to be too strong, that it's easy for them to overcome everything. But it also doesn't have to be everything is particularly aligned the perfect challenge level the perfect you know hip weight balance hit die balance so it, it's it, it can be that there's a mix there's things that are unexpected it also can be that you know for certain skill checks or things that not necessarily things that would be automatic but they can go both ways you know it's great that when you're getting players in the habit of of evaluating things or describing what they're doing you know depending on the situation it may not need a role and, and I like that, you know, for the sake of the story of the fiction, because sometimes it just makes more sense. On the other hand, 
um, you know, <laughs> we've got plenty of cases of, you know, just because a rule says, well, you roll this and you got to get above a certain difficulty level on the check, a player can't sit there and do it, you know, five times until they get it right and can repeat that in every room or in every counter in the dungeon. So um, this, this I think, does help summarize that, you know, the, the idea of, of, of game balance. I think, I think game balance is not necessarily at least thought of in the right way. To me, it, it goes back to more what type of game, the genre, um, j- just a general level of expectation. You know, it, it, when when I um, got my son to play a little DCC and we went into it, you know, one of the things he did is, is, is try to explain of how, how it was similar to what he knows, D&D 5th edition, and also what is different, you know, and I, and I used to try to summarize this with him as uh, what what was more characteristic or what was more indicative of the games that I used to play. And so that he understood that there are a lot of things that were similar, but, you know, the danger level, the the fact that you start out um, as, a, as a commoner and, you know, it, it's a little bit more, um, I guess, less deterministic because it's random in terms of, you know, you, you start, you can start from the funnel, but even when we played a few convention games, you know, we start with a level one or level two character and, you have your class and spells, but it's just, you're not necessarily, it's not set up or designed uh, the way you might in other games. Some of the other things this led to, and I think this would lead into, uh, I guess, think thinking about newer games, and newer games, again, may be the wrong way to put it, but thinking about other game systems is just the, the shift. And what I mean by shift is a not so subtle reference to uh, John Peterson has a new book out, The Elusive Shift, which I've heard interviews with him and I have not read this either. But it does talk about in the old school days, the movement from the war game to the role playing game and you know how that happened and the different factors. And in thinking about old school role playing games, I, I find sometimes there is a bit of a of a disconnect in the discussion about it. And what I mean by this is I do remember, you know, the first times that we played uh, the BX, D&D, and then later AD&D, and even when I had groups that knew what they were doing a little bit more. When we first started, obviously, we didn't know all the rules, but it would devolve more into a tactical game. And what I mean by that is because we were trying to figure out how to do it, at the time, we, we fell back on, you know, the, the roles or what we saw in the standard dungeon, and it became a little bit more tactical than maybe maybe it would be now if we ran that, and, and especially now knowing what I know, that when I run that with my son or when I run that with others, definitely is not necessarily as tactical as it would be. And there's a couple things I think that goes into it. So obviously, they came from a wargaming community, and, and having played war games and different games, the way that you approach it and your expectations for the game are much different. And not that there are no tactics at all in a lot of the role-playing games uh, that we see and the, the ones that have been in, but it's important to take a look at this shift and to understand it. And, and, and getting into, again, you know, I don't think it's as much about whether it's a game is, you know, old school or, or, or new school. It's kind of about the rule set, the genre, and, and the mood or, or preference of the players. Because you may have a game of Dungeons & Dragons, and there may be people who are perfectly comfortable with thinking about things tactically, miniatures, you know, worrying about the specifics of their attacks. 
and others who are not. And both of those things can coexist with the GM, but obviously, you know, th there's a point where the game itself and, and how you're running it, you know, I, I don't want to say it has to have that balance, but th there is a point where there may have to be some resolutions. And in general, you may get groups that, you know, are not, I, I guess, do not have that, that spread in, in groups that may be all more of not as heavily invested in the tactics, more invested in, in the story or what happens in the story, or others who, um, the way that I think about this, and this is just one example, or say, hey, you know, the, <laughs> what I would say is, you know, the old school or old fashioned dungeon crawl, um, to say, hey, we just want to go into a dungeon. And, you know, knowing that it may not be necessarily part of a campaign or, or a long term setting, it is more of that. And this is this is my use of the word, you know, tactical, even though it's still the role playing of of the game, but saying, yeah, we want to go into a dungeon crawl and maybe see how far we get, see how difficult it is, you know, see if we get to the end. And, and that's the session. And so I, to me, it's um, it comes down a little bit to not to simplify, but it, it's it's obviously these are games that have stories, that build stories, that generate stories, that exist within stories. And it's it's an ebb and flow between the two. And I think ultimately, all of the game mechanics are there to support that world story and experience. You know, and there may be times that, uh, you know, it's, it's tilts one way or the other. And perhaps the uh, better GMs, and judges just know how to keep that flowing so that the players uh, are really more focused on the experience. One more thing to say before we move on, and then maybe in coming weeks we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the things I'm finding with newer games or the FKR, is Jason had made a great point. Um, and I'll try to get more into what I know about the, the Free Creek spill, but the one thing he pointed out, which I, I did find with FKR, is they have... Uh, minimal rule sets or simpler rule sets or even when the rule set is extensive is that from the player's perspective they don't necessarily know or need to know all the rules and what that generally translates to and has it been used in you know from the the idea of the free kriegspiel the war game evolution and definitely done today is there obviously you know constraints and limits and things but in terms of your move or what you can do, um, the rules will be there to support that after you decide. So that when you decide to do something like I will do X or I will do Y, you're doing that based on your understanding of the situation, the world, and your, you know, your, your character's desires. Not necessarily from a laundry list of menu choices in the rules and then the judge or the gm with the use of the rules and and the other factors that have gone into the, developing the system help to evaluate that and then that leads to if there's dice involved they use dice if there's not that's fine so i i think um and jason had made this point that 
you know, this is this is an important aspect and something that still happens even with games that aren't FKR, but <laughs> namely, and, and I'll just kind of go back to uh, 5th edition, but even when I started playing BX, and actually you can use 5th edition because I don't know all the rules, <laughs> is that a lot of times, you know, we'll start playing with groups and, you know, they'll have, they, when I say they players and also the GM, looked at different parts of the player's handbook and the GM has prepped the adventure, but you may not know all the rules in entirety, and they may be there if needed, uh, if if the the group or GM decides to include them, uh, if the GM decides to you know how how much to enforce them, getting back to the rulings, not rules, and I think that's perfectly acceptable. And in some ways, I'm trying to get through some of the resistance I have to when playing a game and definitely when running a game to not let the the assumption that you have to know all the rules and be well-versed in them or well-versed in all aspects of the rule prevent you from, you know, running or playing in the game and helping to move it forward. And I know this is something that Che talks a lot about on Roleplay Rescue, that it can be very easy to get trapped, I'd say, in the in that cycle where you have the resistance to either launching something running a game, finishing, you know, your prep for a game because you don't have a sense that you've mastered enough of the rules or have a complete understanding. And so in some ways, you know, an FKR type approach, an approach where it's 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 understood that the players either won't know or won't know all the rules, it can be a great way to start. Um, and also, like we said, that if the ultimate goal is to, you know, have the best experience and have fun, it, it eventually gets back to the rulings and not rules. And uh, I'll see uh, <laughs> for many many of these, you don't have to worry about the, the Watsi rules police coming uh, coming to knock on your door uh, and, and, and check that you've uh, referenced everything correctly. Hey, Jason here. Really enjoyed your last episode. As far as... Shoot, I wrote notes down and... And I'm trying to read them, and they aren't very coherent. So as far as Free Creek Spiel and Tunnels and Trolls, I think that's an interesting commentary, and I think you see that also in things like Burning Wheel, right? Where Burning Wheel, you can zoom in or out on how complex the combat is. In some other games, you can do that. And Burning Wheel, or Tunnels and Trolls, kind of does that like Free Creek Spiel, like you're talking about. So you roll one roll of die. You know, I played Tunnels and Trolls. That was one of the earlier games I started playing. And the combat's super abstracted. You have a monster rating and basically combat rating for the characters, and you, and you roll die and do your adds, at, you know, add number to it. And the winning and the difference between the numbers is how much damage the other side takes. But then you narrate the differences, which is really cool. If you listen to Daniel Norton's, sorry, anchors one minute caught me. If you listen to Daniel Norton's Bandits Keep podcast, he talks about how in OD and D, the original three brand books, and in using the chainmail combat for those, how in chainmail combat you have different combat, you have three different options of combat in chainmail. And in one of those, basically you roll the die and then you narrate what happens. I think it's a fantasy combat one. And that's kind of what we're doing with Tunnels and Trolls. You roll, one side takes damage, and then you just freely narrate what happens. So I think that's kind of cool. Free Creek Spiel is interesting. I think the core to Free Creek Spiel, I, I looked on their Discord for a little while and then dropped off it, but... I think the key here is the players don't know what the rules are. The GM still has solid rules, and maybe the GM even tracks their character sheets. 
So the players don't know the game mechanics. They just say what they would do, which is an interesting idea. I think for some players, it's not mechanical enough, but we all go into games for different reasons, right? Okay, next point, because I don't want to overly tie up your podcast. Cricket. So I would say do not learn the rules for cricket if you don't already know them. Um, the, and the reason I say that is that I used to really enjoy curling, and then when I, I still enjoy curling, but learning the rules made curling a little less enjoyable because it wasn't such an enigma. So I think if you enjoy cricket, don't learn the rules and just let it be an enigma. The other thing I would say is the most... The the European thing I enjoy the most, like the uniquely European thing I enjoy the most, it's not a sport, but as a competition, is Eurovision. I love Eurovision. I know not everybody does. I know some people over there, over the across the pond, think it's a joke, but I love Eurovision. I, I think it's great, and I think the idea of making an American Eurovision like they're talking about is a silly idea. Leave it to them. Last thing, I am with you that gaming should be inclusive. Any new products released should be inclusive. There's no excuse in 2021 to release a product that's not inclusive. Zero excuse. That said, I don't think we should judge the older products by the current standards. Now, then this goes back to Dicer Screaming, right? So, blind adherence to nostalgia is poison. But if you go look at nostalgia with perspective, it's okay. So, and I think a lot, the issue some of us had with the disclaimer is the disclaimer talks about how, you know, effectively the the content, uh, where is it, here and here, Um, the depictions were wrong then, yada, yada, yada. So the idea is that the creators were totally wrong in doing it at the time. And I don't think that's fair to the creators at the time, because I don't know that they tried to be racist at the time. Thanks to Jason for the calls. And as I talked about earlier, just a few points. um, There were some other thoughts that Jason shared on the inclusion of diversity. And I think they're significant enough that, as I mentioned, I'm going to try to see if we can have a time to connect maybe in May or or after to discuss further. Because I think it it warrants a longer discussion than maybe some of the the one-minute anchor bites uh, can allow. But... I, I think uh, a few things on, on the yeah on the cricket comment. I hear you, and I, I have learned some rules, but yes, not not probably even scratching the surface yet. I don't know if I said on my favorite episode, but the 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 main way that I have been introduced to cricket, at least uh, I think the preferred way, in watching the test matches, which are very long was on Boxing Day, sitting down with my relatives in the morning, with a nice uh, cold beer, watching a little bit, getting up, going to the beach, going to do something else later in the day, coming back, checking in on it, realizing still got a long way to go, sitting down, having a beer, <laughs> and and just 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 enjoying it and, and not getting too wound up in it but yeah I know, I know what you mean and I think uh, I think it will be uh, it will be difficult once I actually get into some of the, the rules uh, when I'm there but Eurovision uh, yeah Eurovision is actually is, is pretty good and I haven't uh, watched very much of it but I, I think uh, there are a lot of people who, who like it and uh, so yeah actually that is a that is kind of a neat aspect of uh, some of the uh, I guess European you know competitive, cultural, you know, the performing scene. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a good recommendation. 
So I know I had mentioned some podcasts in the last episode, and a lot of these I feel I mentioned are probably ones that folks have listened to. Um, but one that I had started listening to uh, recently and was not familiar with, but I really got into the uh, Bastion land, and I've yet to, I, I've read a little bit about kind of the, the system and some of uh, Chris uh, McDowell's work, uh, but I haven't really gotten into the RPG itself or into the odd, but his Bastionland podcast uh, had a lot of great discussions with different creators, and he has been doing a series over the past uh, probably month and a half, The Rule of Three, which I really enjoy, and it's something that it basically lets developers or creators talk about three games that have really influenced them. And the selections have been pretty interesting, mostly because there are a lot of games that I'm not familiar with at all, which is always nice to, to hear about. And interesting to see then what they take away from that, what aspects. It's very similar to, I know the Grognard Files does a great job with the first, last, and everything. And I really like that, hearing from different people, maybe three games that they, that they like, uh, obviously, it's it's hard to pick just three, but also hearing kind of a first and last game, and maybe right now what their their favorite or their everything game is. So check out Bastion Land podcast if you haven't listened to it. Um, another one that I like, and I mentioned before, so it's it's probably fairly well known. DM of None uh, have been doing some really great episodes. It's a combination of review of mainly D and D products. 5e but they've gone back into older settings uh, they do talk about other games as well it's not strictly just D&D and, and WotC and they also do a fair amount of development on air if you will one shots <clears throat> creating uh, different aspects for world building uh, which I find extremely helpful uh, Matt and Rob are hysterical uh, they, uh, they definitely have a uh, they're of a, of a certain bent or persuasion, so, you know, for some people that's great. Me, personally, uh, it fits very well, so I enjoy it, but I know not everybody is. But beyond that, the content that they, they put out in terms of kind of giving uh, DM advice and advice for Game Masters is phenomenal. So if you haven't listened to DM of None, uh, check them out as well. Uh, so I think that's it for, for this week. Uh, back next time to talk more about probably the new and the free aspects of this discussion. Again, hope everybody is staying safe and and doing well. And if you're able to get the vaccine as it's slowly rolling out in the the U.S., it's it's picked up speed quite a bit. I received my second shot this week. So if you are able to get it, hopefully hopefully you do, and that uh, in your area things are starting to ease a little bit. And we'll talk soon. Cheers. Thank you.